Hi, welcome back to Shop Talk with the Sheriff. I am Sheriff Gregory Tony here in Broward County. Thank you all for joining us again on this episode of our podcast. Today we have a special guest, kind of one of our community partners, but also one of our internal members, uh, a young man who has done a tremendous amount of work in the awareness for diversity, equality, education, mentorship, and health throughout Broward County. Um, despite his youth, he has already jumped ahead and I can imagine the things that he's going to be able to accomplish um, in partnership with BSO and other things that he's doing in Broward County. Our guest, our special guest is Easton Harrison. Uh, Easton was born in Broward County. He is one of our local natives. My first actual personal encounter was with him during a community organi organizing event. Um, it was during a time where we were dealing with uh, the civil unrest related to the death uh, and slaughter and murder that we've seen up in Minneapolis. And the young man went out and united our community and took efforts to make sure that a message was heard from the minority population that wasn't divisive and did not ridicule all law enforcement and put us in one blanket. And so for that, I say thank you. But he has done more than that. He has become a member in our social justice task force, which we'll talk about. He has led up the Broward County School Board's Diversity and Equity Committee. He is actively involved in the Old Dinner Museum, which we'll talk about in a moment. And so I say this, Easton, welcome. Welcome to Shop Talk. Love to have you. I'm, I'm super happy to be here and grateful that we have a chance to have this discussion. Yeah, you know, one of the things I typically do on the show is just try to open up, sit back, relax, let people know the person and not just names and titles and things that we're doing. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what was the driving forces to get where you are now and the passions that you have. Sure. So I've always had a passion of uh, really being involved in the community. Um, born and raised in Broward County, um, I grew up in probably not the best environment. I wasn't always involved in the best things. Um, but growing up, I knew that there was definitely more options. And I wanted to go out and see what those other options looked like. Um, and being involved in the community, doing a community cleanup, um, being a part of a mentorship program, just gave me, some, just gave me something to do with my time. And it kind of snowballed from there, you know, being a part of a community cleanup led to uh, being, you know, organizing community cleanups, being a mentor led to me organizing mentorship programs. Uh, but what really kicked it off for me was when I was uh, doing my first year of college over at Broward College, and there was a, a group called African Student Union. And I always was a research nerd. I always loved researching, <laughs> you know, African history, African-American history. And, um, you know, I started joining the meetings and started getting involved in discussions. It was something like I've never seen before. Um, and one day they asked me to be president and I turned it down probably three times. <laughs> and then I was invited to a convention, had a chance to really see what they were about and decided to take on that leadership role. And it's really been snowballing from there. Well, look, we're, I'm glad that you, you found your passion. And I thank you. What you'll see over time, just in my experience, and I got a couple of, uh, couple of years on you is your passion is going to continue to evolve and you're going to keep running into different things. Uh, but, you know, your characteristics and commitment towards serving the community is never going to change. And so, you know, one of the things I want to talk about uh, twofold, you know, of course, it's February. We're here in Black History Month. Uh, the important nature of black history being included in American history and making sure that there's no separation of it. What does it mean to you? Uh, when February comes around, what's the first thing that comes to your heart as a black man in this country? Well, to be honest, the honest truth is that um, in a lot of ways, it feels like another month. 
you know, I try to live as a black man constantly thinking about black history, constantly thinking about the contributions that we've made to society and really the world overall. So um, I, I just had a joke with my friend the other day, like, you know what would be cool if we come Black History Month, we do absolutely nothing and relax and celebrate <laughs> Black History for the rest of the year. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, so I, I really, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and during February, um, I like to make sure that the education is the centerpiece. You know, if we have the center stage, if we have the platform to get a message out there, it's always about education and educating people who are not Black about the history. Um, but other than that, we celebrate Black History all year round. March is coming up. We're going to um, celebrate Women's History Month. We're going to look at, you know, the contribution Black women had. And then June is going to come around, Black History Music Month, you know, and then there's going to be Juneteenth and Kwanzaa. So um, we definitely look forward to a full calendar. But um, I'm super happy that uh, there's a, a month or a time of year where we can all take a moment out to look at Black history altogether. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure a lot of uh, some of the things that you're going to be working on, uh, and we'll talk about this, you know, how you're leading up and working as a liaison um, for the old Dillard Museum and the application that that's probably going to have, not only through Black History Month, but in general. You want to talk a little bit about what that is? Uh, you know, some people are probably, some are familiar, and of course some are like, hey, what did he just say, old Dillard, what? Talk a little bit about that. Sure. So the old Dillard Museum, is really a gem in our community. Old Dillard Museum was the first school for African-Americans in Fort Lauderdale. It was the first building where kids of color could go to school and actually attain an education. Um, at one point, it went all the way up to high school grade levels, and um, it was just in that one building. Um, and then it later became what we know today as Dillard High School. So the Old Dillard Museum is located in the historic Cistrunk community in Fort Lauderdale. And we talk about the different characters, the different leaders on a local level that um, actually helped to influence a lot of the uh, accomplishments that we had in uh, Broward County. Um, we talk about Dr. James Sistrunk himself, the first um, a medical profession and physician for the black community. He had his own hospital, uh, Provident Hospital, that he worked with his staff and other colleagues as well, such as um, Dr. Mizell and Dr. Boss. Um, they all worked together. Dr. Boss was the first black dentist um, and also the first black deputy, Deputy James Primus, uh, we also talk about him as well. So it's, there's just so many ways that we talk about history and we can then pivot and include that history to different aspects um, to what's going on in society today. What was BSO's history um, in our black history? What was the civic history in our black history? <laughs> you know, Tony being the first African-American elected uh, to Broward County, that definitely means a lot. Um, and we want to talk about that as well. When, you, when I do tours all the time, I do bring you up all of the time. Uh, we need a big picture of you, Sheriff. We can just put you up in the museum. Um, but we we'll, definitely talk about the history. We'll, we'll get something over there for you for sure. And, you know, I got to tell you, you know, we're talking about history and I am walking, talking history, which is still weird. Uh, still one of those things where it really hasn't resonated in what that longevity of making history does, you know, 100 years from now. And it'll still be who is the first African-American sheriff of Broward County. My name will still be there. Uh, and people ask me all the time, like, you know, how'd you make history? And I was like, look, I've never set out to make history. I've set out to do my very best uh, and try to make a difference. And in my case, I've set out to try to make a difference. And then it resulted in me making history. Uh, and so I, I think for most folks, for all the trailblazers and names that you read off that uh, created so much uh, benefit for the black community here in Broward County, I'm certain if we can, for those who are deceased and for those who are alive, if you talk to them, 
they probably would say the same thing, that they just set out to do their very best. Uh, and it worked out to where either they were the first at something or they did something tremendous. So having all this exposure uh, to history and diving into uh, all the different intricate details about our culture uh, when it comes to African-American, wh- what was the, the driving force to convert that into activism? Because you're also an activist. Let's talk yeah. about that. I definitely am an activist. You know, I think that um, through observation, you know, with all of the things that I was interested in and being interested in, in Black history, looking in the community and seeing um, African-American communities at um, a disadvantage is what drove me to try to do something about that. And like you said, I really, really did not set out to be anybody other than somebody that just wanted to help. I wanted to sit back with the books that I have and read and just, you know, do my research. I didn't want to do much, but, you know, they say it all the time when leadership calls, you know, leadership is a thing that calls for you. You know, the true leaders, it's something that calls for you. And just as you in in your position, it was initially called for you. Like, can you step up and serve in this position? So, um, and the good part about that is through my activism is always has come from a genuine place. You know, um, I, I never had anybody else in my family that was so involved or community leaders, no politicians in my family. Mm-hmm. I just really wanted to help out. And so I just started helping out. Um, it started with doing things on campus um, with my colleagues on college campus and seeing them feel inspired about themselves, did something for me. And then taking that out into the community. Uh, being able to go into Black communities and provide resources, uh, being able to go into Black communities and say, hey, um, how can we get a survey together and kind of let the commissioners know how we really feel about something? That always did something for me. Whenever there was a distress in the community and people always needed help. And another thing, there's a shortage of young people um, that are um, involved in the community. So I always see myself as constantly the youngest person in the room. That, that's an interesting point. You know, Easton, that's an interesting point. I've, I've been in uh, so many different segments of our community, right? So as a sheriff, I represent the entire county no, with, yeah. with no exceptions, right? Black, white, brown, Hispanic, Jew, Gentile, gay, Muslim, straight. It doesn't matter, right? The patch on my sleeve says Broward County. I represent everyone. And it gives me a certain access, right? So with that, I get to walk into places that I probably wouldn't be able to walk in uh, traditionally as a black man. I wouldn't have any interest in it. But it gives me so much access to the whole community. And the one thing I continue to see is we don't have the volume of young folks engaged in a lot of these uh, uh, different civic movements and civic engagements. And this is important. I was in Tallahassee a few days ago um, for Broward Days, and there was a group of young students representing Broward County uh, high schools. Uh, I believe it was from about 10th grade through about 12th grade. And I was so happy to see a room, um, it was all our, all the legislators in a room, our senators, representatives, et cetera. And in the backdrop, there was like 50 students all standing there listening to everything that we, we were saying. And you know, I went off on a tangent and forgot about all the senators and start talking to these kids and said, hey, take this back to Broward County. Don't just come up here. We need you to stay civically engaged because everything that we're doing in this room is for your future. And so don't wait until you're 35 to figure out what's important for legislators to pass and bills. And so I'm leading to a point. A lot of young folks and, and some of our, our, our adults, our elder population who've been around are starting to associate activism with some form of in, uh, exclusion. And activism is not about exclusion. It's about inclusion. 
And I've seen you, going back to you, in a lot of different rooms, and it didn't matter. You were there for the issues at hand. Am I right? How do, you conver- how do, how do we convert more young people into that mindset? What is it going to take? I know that's a big question to, to throw at you, but. Um, somewhat answer that. I think that we have to, on a structural level, start to see our youth as really a part of society and a part of the work that we do. So as an example, one thing that I've done um, when I was chair of um, Broward County Public Schools Diversity and Equity Committee was um, we made sure we had youth ambassadors at our meetings. You know, now I took it a step further. I wanted to update our bylaws to where these youth can actually vote towards what it is that we're making decision on. And the reason why I felt that was important was because if we're a part of the school district and we're providing a product, a service to the students, how can we create the best product possible if we're not hearing directly from the consumer? You know, so I wanted to include the youth at the table so they can actually be able to say, listen, you guys are doing this. This is how it affects me and be able to hear that um, in a, from, from a first person level. And I think we have to do things like that to help inspire them that the civic process isn't something like rocket science. It's not too complex for you to be involved. It's really just about being at the table and making your voice heard. When I first started getting involved, I, w- I definitely wasn't a genius, but I knew that it was things that I was curious about and I just showed up. And like you said, being in every single room is super important to solve the issues. I, I believe that you know, if we want to solve an issue, especially a complex one, we need as many hands at the table as possible. And I think that's something. And, that's- and you've in, in a, a testament to you, man, I, I've seen it, you know, um, you're a handsome young man. But sometimes I look around, I'm like him again. He's in a room again. Right. It's nonstop. Lisa, how old are you? These, how old are you now? If I'm 26 years old and, and take your youth, man, because you can blend into a room of 18 year olds. And they think, hey, he's fresh out of high school like, like us. us. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And then they give you good all the time. Like before I speak at kids, <laughs> I sit and eat lunch with them, and yeah. 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 Until you start speak, start speaking, they're like, hey, this guy's got some experience, right? But you yeah. can you can cross that. And and I was happy when we first put out uh, a request to have the community involvement with our social justice task force, right? After George Floyd, the community said, hey, enough is enough. We don't want to just wait for bad things to happen. We want to be involved and engaged with our law enforcement partners. And so I created the social justice task force. And again, first face I see, right, was yours. Uh, tell a community about our social justice task force and then what your involvement is and where you're trying to, you know, help lead this thing. Because you guys are not, this is not a spectator sport. You're leaders in this agency now. So let's talk about that. For sure. And, you know, this was a level of my activism where I knew that I have to look at new ways to take this to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to sit down and have conversations with people and try to, like you said, it's not a spectator sport. Sometimes this is a contact sport and That's you have right. to go into meetings and you have to speak with people and get your point or your agenda across. Now, um, the social justice task force, the model of that, working with first responders and working with community to find um, solutions, to find best practices, to find what works, to figure out what doesn't work was right up my alley. And, you know, Captain Peterson, how I heard about it, Captain Peterson, one of your captains, um, she seen me at a workshop where I did a workshop with civic engagement around youth. And mm-hmm. we were talking about the commissioners, we were talking about how government works, how Tallahassee works, all of that. And I decided to include BSO into it. Like, listen, this is a part of your society. We're not here just right. to talk about elected officials. This is all civics. That's right. So, um, you know, uh, BSO was invited to come in and Captain Peterson was there and she really liked the presentation. And she told me about the social justice task force and what it was supposed to do. And 
I'm going to be honest with you, Sheriff. At first, I initially had some 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 holdback. I wanted to really think about if this is something I wanted to do. Sure. And the reason why is because coming from the activist background, coming from you know the whole tone of being a community organizer, um, there's a lot of things that you hear about police, you know, and. And, and I was very honest and transparent with her about that. Like, listen, I don't want to be a part of something that's just going to be for show. Um, right. As you say, that's just going to use this handsome face to be out there and say, hey, we have young people or yeah, right. we have black people. Um, so, I, I, you know, I uh, she invited me to kind of see who are some of the other people that were coming on the board. She really sat down and broke it down to me. And Captain Peterson is a straightforward person. Um, you know, she told me about the direction this agency wants to go. And I decided to give it a chance. And since I've been on, there has been absolutely no regrets. We've had complete and direct access, as you know, to high personnel within BSO staff to get the direct and updated information as to what's happening in the community. Uh, there's been things that has gone on in the community and you yourself have taken the time out to hop on a quick Zoom call late at night to discuss it. Um, so then we can have that information and make sure uh, that the community really knows what's going on. You know what, Easton, can you, I know you guys are so busy. Can you think of one example um, of an issue that either was coming up in the community or some, a project that we took from the social justice task force, just so the community understands what that conversation looks like, how you guys are talking, and then how it ends up on my desk. And I'm saying, yep, yep, absolutely, let's go. Any particular, you know, case or um, action that we did that you can think of? You know, I can't think of one specifically right now, but I do know that there's been um, something where uh, something took place and it's not on the top of my head, it was a while ago, but mm -hmm. we needed to get on and talk about it real quick. Um, I think it involved something uh, where someone said something or there was like an article that was kind of dispelling information out there. And it was the gel, it was the gel issue. Yes, the jail issue, correct, yes. It was, it was yes. just for the, for the community, a quick recap. Uh, we had an incident where a young lady uh, had gave birth in a jail and there was a bunch of rumors associated to how we end up as an organization uh, responded to it. And the social justice task force um, who are out there engaged in the community were hearing this and getting, and we needed to get that true information and access out to the community fast and unfiltered. And that was the call that we had um, late at night, <laughs> late at night. And I was surprised you were even on there late at night. I thought it was just going to be other people talking to us. And it's the, oh, no, the sheriff is coming on. Man, I don't sleep, man. I, <laughs> there's no sleeping in Broward County. But that was important. I remember that day very well, just like, you know, now we're, we're talking about it, um, having our colonels on there, pulling the reports, and giving you all access to things that most of the public will never see or hear about. But because you're there, now you can take the truth back into the community. And you know what I've learned is you guys are validators. Everyone's have, all of you have a reputation. All of you are plugged into the community. All of you have a voice, you with the youth, you with so many different parts of our Fort Lauderdale district and pushing up in, in other parts of the county. Well, that's important because I can't reach all the, these pockets of the community and you put your reputation on the line. And that's, that means a lot to me. That means a lot to this organization. And that's why we, we're, we're transparent. Uh, we give you the hard truths. And I love uh, how these conversations go, folks, uh, on this social justice task force. It ain't all uh, hugs and kisses. Sometimes they, sometime they fire bullets, <laughs> which is good. But, you know, looking at that, where do you see your next big challenge, your, ne your next big focus uh, in terms of what you want to get done here in Broward County? And, heck, how can I help you? 
Well, for sure. I think one of the main things that I see that needs to be done here in Broward County is, um, you know, a true education or awareness or exposure around Black history um, in an honest way. Um, I definitely think that there should be a level of awareness of the history of the community that you serve, just so there's a lot more context with that. And also, you know, getting the message out there about the work that we're all doing um, with the social justice task force and all of these other agencies, getting the word out there to the youth and figuring out how we can include them a lot more. Um, if we can get more access into where the youth are and bring the message to them, because we can't always count on them to come to us. We live in a very distracting world with social media and Instagram, Facebook. So we got to also get creative as well and find a way to outreach to them and grab their attention. Okay. Um, so. Uh, those are those are some of the biggest challenges that I would like to see. I would like to see more youth get out to vote. I would like to see more youth tell other youth um, organizing around them to get out to vote. And um, those are some of the biggest challenges that I really stay up all night thinking about. Well, I'll tell you, you have my full support, uh, just like you all are su supporting your organization through the Social Justice Task Force and many other endeavors that uh, all the members of the Social Justice Task Force are actually undergoing because there's so many of you and so many of you tied in different things. We will be here. I will be here to support anything that you're pushing out in this community that's positive. And I know nothing that comes out of you is uh, anything less than positive. So I'm glad you joined the task force. I'm glad you're still there. I appreciate your insight. Before, uh, I want to make sure we get one little plug out here for the community. Any type of social media platforms that the community can reach out to you if they want to discover more about the old Dillard Museum, what you got for us? Instagram? Uh, websites, anything like that? For sure. So you can follow us on Instagram at Old Dillard Museum. We are on Instagram. You can follow us. We update the events that we have coming up. Um, and also we get the word out. Also on Facebook, the Old Dillard Museum. You can follow us and, and like our page on Facebook. And that's kind of how you stay up to date with us. We are working on a website. So that is under construction. We'll be coming soon. But for now, the, that's the outlets that we really need people to know what we're doing and how to get engaged around some of the stuff we have going on. Well, awesome, folks. Uh, for those of you who just joined in kind of late, I just want to let you know who was on today, who you're listening to is Easton Harrison, a um, strong young member in our community who works not only in our social justice task force, but has participated and led up different ventures uh, for community inclusion, equity, uh, education, mentorship for our youth and has done a phenomenal job. I, I mean that, I sincerely mean that. And I hope we can, I hope we can hold on to you as long as we can. Uh, but something tells me someday your name is probably gonna be on a ballot and I'm gonna have to vote for you. Um, again, thanks for coming on the show today, Easton. Thank you, Sheriff Tony, I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. Absolutely, and then for all of you who joined us today, thank you for joining us on Shop Talk with the Sheriff. Remember to follow me on Instagram at BSO Sheriff Tony. It's not a stunt double. It's me. You can also subscribe to the podcast to get the early alerts for every new episode. In the meantime, stay safe, be humble, and try to love somebody a little bit more than you love yourself. Take care.